That's some good parenting, honey. I wish I could help. But I'm just too damn lazy. You! Whoa. Susan. Think about what you're doing here. Hey! Just couldn't stay away from the TV, could you, Greg? Susan? I, I would still forgive you for this if you stopped right now. I'm ready. I, I'll go to therapy now if you want, if you still want to do that, if that's what you still want. Welcome back to Queer Horror Cults. We're very challenged at starting this episode today. We've yeah. just been staring at each other in silence. This is uh, number 87 and we still don't know what the fuck we're doing, apparently. Yeah. That's fine. We don't have a set format, which we should, and we've been saying we should, but we don't. Yeah. Maybe one day. It's Halloween season, I guess you could say. We're, you know, in the, the midst of it. and Spooky uh, season. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of cool shit going on around us, including uh, our local theater is having a, a, f- a bunch of horror films playing, including uh, Old Friend of the Show, uh, Not Your Final Girl, doing their film se- series again, which is great, being able to be back after COVID being mm-hmm. a thing. Of course, I guess by the time this goes up, it'll have come and gone. Yeah. yeah. But they uh, are playing uh, some good movies, one of which kind of... We were planning on going and seeing it because it's like, cool, let's do that because it's playing. We can just watch it and then we'll have an episode. And of course we didn't end up going to see it because we fucking suck. But but we did watch it and uh, also tying into last time when we had the gripe of how have we not covered more Cronenberg than this. <laughs> so we're like, all right, two birds with one stone. We're going to do a Cronenberg and we're also going to cover a movie we're seeing anyway. Yeah, I think we even in the episode... I cut it out because oh, I didn't you... want to spoil it for oh, the okay. next week. But yeah, Disregard me. Yeah, in the episode originally I, I was... Uh, yeah, we paired we, we the two together. We came up with the idea. And we're yeah. like, fuck it, let's go with it. Yeah, but uh, we're talking about one of the most sacred institutions of of our world and thank god it always works out nicely because we're talking about marriage in movies not marriage specifically yeah a particular outcome of marriage particular outcome of marriage yeah we're actually talking about a divorce and how it can be what how are we even approaching these movies i'm not even sure at this point like Uh, like divorce from a scorned feeling male director's perspective. Yeah, it's, okay, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Uh, you know, just some ex-wife guys. Yeah. Going hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, or at least in the process of becoming ex-wife guys in the making of their masterpieces. Yes. Yes, yes. No, this is a, this is a good week for all of the, all the besties out there who have had a male ex who, af- upon breaking up, whether you were married or not... Yeah. Uh, it was like, you know what? This bitch is a fucking monster. Right, yeah. And, you know, my, my heart goes out to everyone who's struggling with that, even though in the back of my head I always just think, like, there's a solution to this. Don't date guys. I mean, yeah, but that would just, like, make too much sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus, I guess I guess some people aren't into that, so, you know, whatever. Mm. Who am I? Who am I? Who amongst us am I to judge? Yeah, no, this is just the... the yeah. No, but uh, getting to it, I guess we got a couple of movies where the directors were going through divorces. Uh, I guess writer-directors were yes. going through divorces, and they made these movies about the horrors of going through divorce. And when you look at it from that angle, it feels like this is just going to be such a trash week of, like, <laughs> whiny crybabies being shitty. But it's like, these are, like, legit directors doing legit movies, so it's very odd. We'll give them the time of day. Yeah, we'll give them the time of day. 
Plus, you know, like, yeah, divorce can be ugly on all sides, that's for sure. We, we're, I'm being very facetious yes. when I'm just, like, getting full misandrist with it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's often the case that that shit sucks, but yeah. I'm not going to pretend that's the only way it can go. No, I... No, well, yeah, I just think of... Um, we have a family friend who's a, f- a family lawyer, yeah. does a lot of divorces and stuff, and, yeah, it's, like, seeing people at often their worst yeah. and just being horrible for the sake of being horrible yeah. at that point, and... Yeah, because it can, of course, happen amicably, but I was just, um, earlier today, well, I was, you know, thinking about how we'd be recording this episode, I just kept thinking about, um, in Carol, when they're going through the divorce and Mm -hmm. the custody stuff, and and Carol is just like, this is ugly, we're not ugly people, Harge. Yeah, Harge. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah, that kind of hits, like. yeah. It's funny as it's like we're not ugly people. It's like no, we're like rich and hot and whatever. But, yeah. But also, I get it. Yeah. Plus, I think it's pretty easy to like bag on. Like, I think these movies fall into the trap of bagging on the the cruel, controlling woman who is like a literal a witch. monster. But it's also easy to bag the other way too. Absolutely. Like, you see what happened with um, Brendan Fraser going through nasty divorce in his uh, career, just how fucked up it was, and it's like no one can hurt Brendan Fraser. Yeah, we, we we have all signed up to protect him at all costs. Yes. So yeah, it's it's a it's a sacred duty. It is. He's given us so much. He has. So, you know, like we have to. Yeah, we have to protect our himbo king. But yeah, so I guess uh, go in the order we watch these, right? Let's do it. Which is also chronological order. Hey. Yes, it is. Um, to go off of last episode when we we're forlorning the fact that we haven't covered enough Cronenberg, I think like the next time we hung out, which was which was within a couple days, it might have actually been the day we recorded right after. For all I know, I don't. That might have been the case. Yeah, yeah. We, we just watched The Brood, David Cronenberg's The Brood from 1979, which is the movie he wrote and directed while going through a divorce. And it's a divorce horror movie in a lot Without of ways. Without actually having divorce in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's more um I think both movies, they're not very they're not specifically divorced, but that more fits into the background yeah. of where the people like what was happening in the lives of the people who made For them. For sure. Uh, but essentially it's about ugly breakups and like relationships the very going least horrifying. The, yeah, not bad. even necessarily breakups, but definitely like the decay of a once of loving matrimony. Yeah. Yeah. So The Brood is this movie where in typical Cronenberg fashion, it opens with like a medical experiment. <laughs> it's actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that was a huge thing for him in his early movies. Yeah. Like um, Shivers, it which you haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. That's one we'll have to cover. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it opens with these weird things like this doctor's medical experiment going awry. Mm. And then we find out afterwards what he was experimenting on. I believe Rabid would have been next, and it's the motorbike accident followed by medical experimentation to save uh, uh, Marilyn Chambers' skin. Yeah. And then it's The Brood, in which we see these people on a platform in front of this audience going through this weird experimental psychotherapy. And then, you know, like right after that was Scanners, which opens mm. with a experimental like, thing happening in front of a crowd once again, like a demonstration. So he, he really, he had a he had a way to start his movies, and mm. The Brood fits right in with that. Absolutely. And right off the bat, this movie's already horrifying to me, because it opens with this almost, like, I don't want to say empty chair psychology. It, it fits that, except in the empty chair is actually the other psychologist doing some weird kink roleplay shit at the other people. <laughs> like, we see this guy talking to his dad? Or is it his mom at the start? Oh, I don't know if... I know it becomes the dad, at least. Yeah, but but the psychologist, or the psychiatrist, doctor guy, is taking the role of these people that have inflicted traumas on the patient in their life. And he's sort of doing that, like, blank slate thing of, like, project them onto me and I will embody them. Actually, this will be a good one for you to chime in if you've heard of stuff that's psychoplasmics yes yeah, I, <laughs> I mean like maybe like actual riffs in psych- yeah. psychology and stuff because you're the one that actually did some of this stuff at school specifically psychoplasmics yes i have a whole uh, master's degree in psychoplasmics yeah but but this is horrifying to me right off the bat because it's just like the concept of because it reveals during the therapy that there's a crowd of people yes watching and they're not all medical professionals. Yeah, like, it's, it's like I've, I've heard of I've heard from colleagues who have actually done 
you know, who are registered psychologists who've done training and stuff that for like EMDR training, specialized stuff there, they would get a volunteer and have the person who is hosting the training demonstrate on the volunteer. But this is an audience of people who are like learning this technique. And so it makes so yes there are spectators but it's also in like a learning context yeah. like that's totally different like i know um learning hospitals exist, yeah right? right but this seems very like but, spectator yeah like the main character is there and his connection is his, his wife, wife is, is also treatment. a patient there yeah but it's just like just some like you know that'd be like going to a therapy appointment and then like some soccer mom dropping her bratty asshole kid off it's just like you know what i'm gonna sit on on yours I never met a person with, like, weird brain shit that you have, so right? I just want to watch. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's ter- terrifying, the idea of it's, like, yep, yeah, gotta, gotta really get into it in therapy in front of a bunch of randos. Yes. And As one like, does. And going off the attitude of the, the the doctor in this, you know he wasn't, like, comping the guy or giving him a mm. discount for letting people watch. Oh, no, no, he was like, I'm doing you a favor. Yeah, This no. is going to be cathartic for you. If anything, yeah. you should be paying me extra for doing this. Yeah, but it, it goes into Cronenberg territory pretty damn fast, even in this first scene, because, you know, it's uh, ostensibly talk therapy that we're watching. Mm-hmm. But it gets so emotionally intense for the dude that he rips his shirt off and he has, like, weird lesions. Yeah. Everywhere. Like, I don't even know what the fuck's growing on him, but he has all this weird shit growing on his body. Yeah, and yeah. it looks like a bunch of, like, like he's been attacked, I thought. Yeah, it almost like, looks like bites and yeah. stuff like that. Um, lacerations yeah but it's it's like his trauma is manifesting physically on his body and that seems to be what psychoplasmics is you know this set again sounds like Cronenberg but making the trauma flesh almost yeah. like but the question is to what fucking end right like is it just like haha I manifested in the real world it's like okay to excise it to yeah because uh, it's an interesting premise very sci-fi an interesting premise but the problem is it doesn't seem to take the tact of you no longer deal with this psychologically because it is physical. It just feels like now you got both. Totally, yeah. Because I, I mean, like, because trauma and other psychological issues can absolutely have physical implications. Yeah, it's like a kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Just, and, and not to say, like, oh, it's all in your head, but yeah. it's like, no, your brain and your central nervous system and your peripheral nervous like, it's all connected. Yeah. So, I mean, everything you experience is in your brain. Pain is in your, like, everything yeah. because it's it's neuron that's how it works that's how it works so it's not to say that we're like like oh it's just all in your head it's like no i mean it is because it's all in your brain but it's but it it is a genuine but that's important yes but yeah so there are and so there are very much like body-based and somatic therapies you can do there's like somatic experiencing um some emdr is very body-based some accelerated resolution therapies or it can be very body-based i've heard of other ones too but yeah, they don't make your like soul wounds appear on your s- flesh yeah. as scars. They process out sensations and help just kind of like bring you back to a baseline equilibrium. Right. So it's like I, I can see like so yeah, when you were talking about like, oh, you can point to like real things, yeah. I guess this is an example of like, yeah, the body can be definitely used and the somatic and psychosomatic kind of symptoms can be brought down or processed out or worked with. But yeah, this, it's like, okay, we can see it now on the body, but yeah, now what? Like, is it supposed to just like, oh, it's, it showed up as a bruise and now it will heal because bruises heal. It's like, that's, that's not really what seems to be happening. Yeah. But, uh, that's just the opening of the movie. Like it's doing a lot of work right off the bat. Uh, and after that we get, um, into the plot with the characters where so what we've got is frank is just like i i think that's why he's here he's trying to just see how this shit works because uh nola is there Mm -hmm. doing all this uh therapy and he wants to sort of figure out if it's working because it sounds like at the start of this movie she's already been at it for a while Mm-hmm. And she's sort of isolated from him. Like, he's unable to go see her. That's part of treatment. But yeah. she, the, da- the daughter can see her. Yeah, the daughter can go see her, but she can't. Yes. Um, and he's trying to raise their daughter and continue life. Well, it's almost like he's taking a backseat to support. But the, it's weird because I feel like he's trying to support his wife. But at the same time, there's... It, there's like no connection there. Like mm-hmm. I do not feel any sense of love between them at no. this point in it. 
And anytime they interact, it's pretty hostile. Yeah. Like, uh, she calls and, like, threatens. To, it's great because she calls and does, like, the Jallo voice. Like, <laughs> how dare you? Kind of thing. <laughs> that You know, that classic, like, genderless Jallo voice. That way mm-hmm. anyone can be the killer. Yes. Um, and it's not long until all of a sudden, because they've got, like, this little kid, like, little, and uh, he notices that she has weird bites and scratches and bruises all over her body when he's giving her a bath. The dad does. The dad does. Yeah, notices that on the kid's body and is trying to make a case to that, like get sole custody or something. Yeah, because this... Yeah, she, she wasn't like this before. She had her weekend at the Psychoplasmics yeah. Soma Free, whatever it's called, Institute. Yeah. So Nola must have done this. This is yeah. negligent medically yeah. and so criminally on the doctor's like, part. So it's sort of like, let's get custody because not safe around my wife. Mm. And also let's sue the shit out of this uh, medical thing. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, it, it seems, from his perspective, fairly justified on both sides of things. I'm not trying to simp for him. I know he won't sleep with me, but <clears throat> that's just kind of how it's going so far. And he drops her off at the mother-in-law yeah, to, to go deal with some, like, legal bullshit, some job bullshit. And all of a sudden, we we see, like, she gets put to bed, and then we see the little kid run in and just beat the shit. And this is not Candace we were talking about. This well, at first it plays it like it could be. Oh, right. Um, like this the kid comes in with this like meat tenderizer and just murders the her grandma. But isn't she fucking Well, the, it starts like that, but then it shows the monster's yeah. face. Yeah. Okay. It reveals it pretty quickly that something ain't right. But, you know, it's just like uh, this little like, oh shit, Candace is there and what the fuck is with this kid? <laughs> it's like a little like dog person like it's, it's like a little goblin yeah a little uh a little troll troll baby <laughs> that looks like the daughter and then it disappears the they daughter but like ain't it. right yeah yeah and so they find the dead mother and the daughter was just like sleeping through it mm-hmm. despite the fact that the you know it was a violent attack it wouldn't have been silent and the movie kind of follows this trend of then trying to figure out what the fuck is going on as more of these attacks happen in the background, the sort of B-plot is Frank is getting cozy with uh, Candace's teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, this weird little thing is sort of starting between them. So there's these murders by these weird children things that uh, are attacking everything. And the mother is starting to, to call. Like, she keeps calling this uh, is the Nola, house. Not Nola. the dead mother. Yeah, sorry. Ugh. Nola calls the house, and at one point uh, she catches the teacher who is babysitting on the phone. Because Frank's off doing some shit. With the with Nola's dad yeah. at that point, I think. Yeah, going over to, to make sure he doesn't like kill himself. Because yeah. he's just like so he's, like, drunk distraught over distra- the murder of his wife. No, yeah. no, they're exes at that point because he comes in from like Nova Scotia or some shit. I need to rewatch this movie clearly. Like, Jesus Christ. He comes a- in for the funeral and then he's back in the home and he's like, oh, it's bringing back all the memories. And- right, right. This feels like uh, the, the family web in this movie is yeah. definitely like that there is no Pepe kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's a little convoluted. Yeah. But essentially the bodies start piling up and then we start noticing that Nola, when she uh, interacts with people, they seem to be the next target. Like, mm-hmm. she catches the teacher on the phone and then the teacher gets killed at school. Yeah. Um, and that scene is ge- genius. This is, like, probably one of the most brilliant sequences Cronenberg's ever directed at this point, where uh, all the kids are playing in, like, it's such a Canadian thing, too. They're all playing in those snowsuits. Yeah, Like, those big, big both Michelin Man snowsuits. Totally. And uh, she's bringing them in from recess and uh, meets Frank outside for a quick chat. Then she goes in. And there's too many kids, and she doesn't really notice, but two of the kids approach Candace and, like, lead her out the back door. And then the other ones kill the teacher, like, beat her to death in front of all the kids. And it's so fucking creepy. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so, ugh. And since Frank's outside, one of the kids, the normal kids, runs out and gets his attention, and he mm-hmm. goes in and like, finds they're hurting, the body. Like, the bad kids are hurting her. And this is when he realized, like, okay, there's too much shit going on at uh, Soma. Especially because recently... Soma Free. Yeah, it's Soma Free. Especially because recently, uh, early, I think just, either just before or just after the scene, something really fucked up happens in terms of how the movie plays, where they find one of these little kids, these monster kids, aka the brood, because it died... Because it doesn't have a proper digestive system, it it is powered by like an egg sac growing on its back, and when it like ran out of yolk, the thing just fucking died. And they're doing an autopsy on it, and 
the husband Frank is like brought in and all these people and they're staring at it and they're like the doctor's matter of fact is like oh yeah this little fella doesn't have any teeth has like a turtle beak and it can't really eat doesn't have a butthole or whatever because it's got an egg sac and, and it's just, there's like no umbilical cord. there's no belly button so it wasn't born and they say but it's it kind of like, human but they like say not. it's so chill though it ain't exactly yeah. human but it ain't exactly not human oh my god yeah you showed me that meme for the first time today <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so like they're real chill yeah. about this weird mutant thing. That, like, Fox Mulder would be losing his fucking mind Yeah, Fox mind Mulder would have nut so yes. hard in that autopsy suite. Would have um, broke in just to do so. <laughs> and meanwhile, in Canada, they're just like, oh, well, yeah. hey, well, I don't know. Toronto's yeah. weird. Uh, but anyway, so he ends up going, the, the Frank ends up going to Soma Free to confront both Nola and the Doctor. And to try and, and find the candy. Try and find Candace, because he, he assumes that's where she's going. But okay, so anyway, that's kind of the plot shape up to this, and we'll get into the big climax because it's important to things. But it's interesting to think of this movie in terms of where Cronenberg might have been coming from, mm -hmm. because he's going through a divorce, and a lot of it was a custody battle. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what this movie is. It's this uh, custody over their child that is like the almost the, the genesis of the horror in this movie, but in a very Cronenberg way. Of course. And it's pretty fucking wild. To just be like, man, my wife fucking sucks so much that I'm going to make some weird horror movie where she's just like psychically trying to kill everything in the daughter's life so that way the daughter relies on her and her alone. It's, well, not actually being in a position to provide anything. Yeah, it's... Because, yes, like, uh, Nola is completely unhinged out of touch with reality in anything. and she's like in isolation in a psychiatric facility right now so like more like a psychiatric chateau chateau that's like, true that it, does, it does have fire, that very, yeah know, like, it, does that, it does have that kind of vibe of very much like private pay if i didn't have to deal with that dr hal dipshit it's like yeah i could i could chill here for a bit but yeah it's you pretty know? swank yeah but Cronenberg really kind of, I think, throws it all out there in the final sequence of this uh, movie that really kind of shows exactly maybe where he was at in terms of the portrayal of the ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife in this case, because Frank tracks uh, Candace to, to uh, Soma Free, and there's this weird little work shed in the back. He finds out about it because the patients are just like, Oh, yeah, uh, he shut everything down. The doctor sent us, us all out. away, and, and Nola's his favorite. Yeah, Nola's He's only his working favorite. with her now. Yeah, keeps her in the work shed with all those kids. All those fucked up kids and she looks like, after. Wait, what? And it's just like, basically, the doctor... Like, I'm wondering who the doctor would have been in real life to Cronenberg. Like, I'm wondering, mm. is this based on a dude who is interfering kind of thing? Because, like, he's just like, ah, yes, not only are you such a good mother to Candace, and it's vital for you to get what you need that you have full access to your daughter who gives a damn what it does to her but you can just have like a pile of kids and like essentially have a brood she's a brood mother born of your anger yeah that was such a great concept though yes when they, when they go into the um shed and essentially what we find is the mother is there doing this weird empty chair therapy with the the doctor who again crosses so many lines where in his role play he's just like I'm gonna kiss you on the mouth for a while and that's good for your therapy <laughs> and it's just like there's another word for that my guy yes but psychoplasmics like making people's trauma real in the case of Nola like all of her stuff is anger directed at, at everyone around her and like I'd say legitimately in some cases it sounds like she was absolutely abused mm -hmm. as a kid growing up so I I guess you could say, like, Cronenberg's not completely unsympathetic. For sure. His portrayal. Like, she's definitely played up as, like, look how monstrous she is. Yes. But, a little bit hysterical. But it's not done in a way where it's as if she doesn't have a reason mm -hmm. to be this way. It's uh, it's weirdly paternalistic, almost, yeah, I kind think, of. in the approach. But basically, yeah, her rage is the form of... Candace and these little, like, mutant babies that she keeps birthing, and they, like, grow up into little turtle-faced <laughs> monsters and that is an interesting comment on uh did, did he feel that like uh his wife like this is pure conjecture on my part i don't know mm. the details of the the marriage nor is it any of my business but it's interesting that the mother's rage takes the form of the daughter and the whole movie is about the the father trying to protect his daughter mm -hmm. from the mother 
that, you know, that's kind of shots fired on the whole, like, like, I almost feel like I could just see custody court at the end, at the end of the movie credits roll, Cronenberg hits pause on the movie, and it's just like, and this is my case, your honor. (laughs) What motherly instinct. Yeah. So monstrous. But it's such a cool set piece at the end Mm -hmm. with the way the rage manifests on the body because we see, oh God, that fucking reveal where she's just like, look at me and lifts her shirt up and she has this egg sac growing on her abdomen and she like rips it open. There's a fetus in there, Mm -hmm. pulls it out and just starts licking it a bunch. Yeah, it's kind of like a good mama mammal. Yeah, kind of when this movie got in some hot water when it came out in terms of uh, censorship in this country. Cronenberg mm. has famously talked about how brutal Canada was for censorship mm. at the time. Because no it literally was, like, unlike um, a lot of places where it's like they either refuse it with cuts or they're just like, you have to do this for this rating. In Canada at the time, they would take your movie. I think I've talked about this before, but they'd take your movie, they would cut out what's not allowed to be shown and destroy it. Right. Destroy the footage. They'd give it back to you chopped up. So if you only had one copy, it's like, that shit's lost forever. Mm-hmm. And that's really fucked that's up. That's fucking sucks, That's, like, yeah. insanely fucked up. <laughs> but, yeah, and the end of the movie is uh, great because all the little turtle dudes eat the doctor, which is, you know, a long time coming. Pretty tense sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what did you make of the ending of this movie? Or even just the whole, the way therapy and Nola plays into this dynamic of their relationship like it's like a custody battle in like the monster movie (laughs) action thriller climax yeah it's yeah because i'm I'm trying to remember if i ever got a sense that like nola was like trying to protect candace in like you know her own kind of twisted way where it's like you can see the logic that but i don't think it was is she's very much yeah it's that kind of paternalistic like oh she's just selfish yeah she's definitely not portrayed as having like uh, Candace's best interest in her yeah. mind. It's almost just like, I'm her mother, so she belongs with me. Yeah. Full stop. So I guess maybe that's a comment on, uh, you see this for, for, for good and for bad, mm-hmm. usually in that very red-pilled kind of way, talking <laughs> about, it's like, the courts always side with the mother. and, and Which kinda, isn't they, true if you actually look at statistics, yeah. but... Like I, I said, you know, there's a huge asterisk yes. there, and it's like, yeah, if this is what it's up against, it's like, yeah, okay. This is an interesting comment on that, but this is also, like, so far-fetched mm-hmm. into the fantastic by yeah. design. Exactly. I find this is a tough one to talk about in terms of, like, I feel like we should have recorded on it immediately Probably. after watching it. Because it's just, like, in Cronenberg fashion, it's a very heady movie, and there's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. Like, I guess it's interesting that Nola is the sort of, like pinnacle of psychoplasmics because you have the other guys who want to sue the doctor because they have like cancer now that's another cronenberg thing where the guy's like i went for for like talk therapy and i sprouted like this huge like lymph node cancer tumor growing out of my fucking neck yeah and which is i guess like a life form a parasitic life form but in nola's case it literally became it's not a parasitic life form in the sense that it can, for some time at least, sustain itself outside of the host, mm-hmm. and it beca- and so it's it's not just like we brought something out, but we like created something. Right. That's. I like the wording you use there of like a uh, parasitic life form, because perhaps that's something to to consider is how does trauma exist as a parasitic life? Form? Yeah, and the anger that can come with it. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess the tricky thing with trauma is you can get very, like, stuck with it, and Mm -hmm. it can become a very internalized part of your identity and your sense of self. Okay. And I guess that could be seen as kind of maybe parasitic of it, but it's also, like, a fear of, like, a mutually assured destruction. Like, if I get rid of this, then what do I have left? Like, at least it's familiar and it's what I know. So the, the the tumor as an image of that in this movie's maybe apt because it's like you can try and excise the tumor, but will you survive it? Yeah, exactly. Can, yeah. Can you get rid of it? And it, I, I could totally appreciate that if, in the sense of somebody really struggling with psychological distress, if they were imagining externalizing it in some way or something, or seeing it as like a cancer or a poison or like something that's like destroying you from the inside out. Yes. But but and then psychoplasmics is making that into like a tangible thing that it's not just the symbolic or this 
abstract thing. It's like, oh no, yeah, it's literally cancer in your lymph, like your lymph nodes now, or it is yeah. literally little goblins that kill people you're mad at yeah. <laughs> for hurting yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I really like the concept of, uh, especially in, in, in Nola's case where the emotions manifest as mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a very Cronenberg body horror version of the Haunted House movie or the Poltergeist yeah. idea where it's just like, Haunted house movies are often metaphors for, like, negative emotions being externalized and attacking the people. Um, or, I mean, like, if you go back into, I don't know if folklore is the right word, but the idea that they, that they talk about in, like, paranormal stuff in what poltergeists are, where they say that, like, a poltergeist is believed to be the energy of a volatile emotional person often a teenager going through puberty mm. externalized into this force right, like you it know manifests as this you know, kind if, of disturbance if you get into that weird like our ghost real kind of shit yeah. it's like that's i believe what poltergeists are, are thought to be fascinating and um this is like the the meat version of that yeah yeah it's the, <laughs> the it's, meat version. yeah that's a word for it <laughs> it is um this is such a Cronenberg movie, mm-hmm. like uh, both in the premise, that's obvious, but like you see all these little things being, I guess, his third sort of like proper feature, because he also had a uh, stereo and Crimes of the Future before this, which I'm very excited for his new Crimes of the Future with... Uh, Case Do. Yeah, it's got Case Do, and it's, I cannot remember her name, but uh, one of the main characters from Blue Swarm's Color. They're both in this movie, so it could be cool. Uh, but it's very Cronenberg in like all the different aspects of the plot. Like I mentioned the sort of like weird science setup at the mm-hmm. beginning, like here's an experiment and we're just going to get into it. And it's more like presented as this is, a, this is a, you're not aware of the science. So no wonder it's above your head. And then the movie kind of like breaks apart what it is as it goes. Hmm. But it also follows a lot of things he does. He loves supporting characters. Yes. He fucking loves part way through a movie, a character who has not shown up at any point shows up to get into the plot and you think like oh that's kind of lazy writing to have some dude show up and it's like oh by the way let me advance the plot for you but then it does in a way where if anything it obscures the plot even yeah. more where it's just like this guy's like i'm here to reveal what's happening and then everything he says it's just like i just got fucking further like, sorry, from what? it <laughs> like i think when barry convex first shows up in um videodrome where he's just like, I'm here to talk to you at my glasses shop. And he's just like, put this helmet off and nut on the TV. And it's just, you know, it just goes crazier from that point rather than makes more sense. And that's sort of why I love his movies so much. That's pretty fun. This is probably one of my favorite Cronenberg movies for sure. Like I'd say easily top five. Um, It's kind of tough because, you know, the fly exists. Yes. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, it might be my favorite Cronenberg. And then I think about, about a dozen other Cronenberg movies, like, or that, or that, or that. Like, shit. Yeah. But I guess uh, I really like Cronenberg's adaptation of The Body Keeps the Score. I don't know how you felt about it. <laughs> 10 out of 10, yes. <laughs> what about you? What did you think of this one? I like it a lot. I like, I mean, I, I already like the premise of, like, let's take weird psychiatry shit and yeah. add in some body horror pseudoscience that could like maybe be at least you know realistic adjacent yeah this this must be what the avalanches were singing about with frontier psychiatry this is frontier psychiatry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. psychoplasmics is the future yeah we'd both seen this before mm-hmm. yeah i think you've just seen it one time that's right maybe. yeah i've seen it a couple and actually there were no new watches this week no, there weren't. Right. I mean, I'd only yet seen either of them once each. And, and a, a good clip ago. Yes. Yeah. They're movies that they're, like, I swear to God, like, as you've probably heard from this very disjointed, like, you know, I'm looking at the clock. We've talked for 40 minutes. This might be at, like, 10 minutes into the episode with how much random shit I have to cut out and cobble together. So apologies there. But that's also what makes these movies so rewatchable is you mm-hmm. wait two months and you're just like, fuck, what happened in that movie? I remember <laughs> liking it, but what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I recommend it. I heartily recommend The Brood. It's, so do I. It's a gooder. Right. Next, we jump ahead a couple of years yeah. and uh, across the pond to another director apparently going through divorce. Apparently going through divorce. I hope I am saying his name right. Uh, Zulowski, we watched Possession. Yeah, from uh, 81, right? Yes. 1981. And uh, if you thought The Brood was a hard plot to describe, yeah. <laughs> well, 
if you, if you feel up to it, maybe yeah, give it so a go. Yeah, so we have a couple in Berlin while Germany is still split. Yeah. And the we get the sense that the their marriage is kind of over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this one, um, in the brood, they're separated. Mm-hmm. At least, if not, like, fully separated. They are by nature of her being in inpatient. And it's him being like, I want full custody. Like, they're already kind of separate from each other, whereas mm-hmm. they're very much together. Yeah, whereas this seems to be, like, it opens with, like, the dawning realization of, like, we're not in love anymore. Yeah. And what happened to us? And was that, did, did you find somebody else? No. Mm-hmm. Well, did you find somebody else? And it's, you know, first seems like this, so we just grew apart, as happens sometimes. But very quickly, it's revealed that uh, Anna, the wife, is, you know, she's alluding to, okay, well, there is somebody else. And yeah, yeah, I've been fucking him. And Well, it's interesting, uh, the idea that they've grown apart, because I think that's very much how she views it. Whereas Mm -hmm. um, Mark, played by Sam Neill refuses to accept that. That's true. You know, like he's so hard on like, how could we possibly be over? I'll and do anything. Yeah, he's he's uh, big into the, the denial where she's just like... And he's a total like red flag punch hole in the drywall kind of guy. Totally. Yeah, he's he got a bit of a temper on him. Yeah, I remember making that comment where we're watching it and then like seconds later he just starts wrecking the entire fucking shop. Yeah, the cafe Einstein. Yeah, just like flipping tables. Yeah. Like he's like just... To the point that, like, two chefs and, like, another guy have to tackle him to the ground that because statue, he's going after his wife. That statue of the muscle guy with all the babies on him as he's hitting them everywhere. <laughs> That's Sam Neill in this moment. Yes. Except it's adult babies. Except it's adult babies in furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. And uh, so he's he's so desperate to, like, well, we, we can make this work. Like, I'm willing to do anything, like, no matter how terrible you think you've done with cheating on me or with like disappearing and neglecting our son and all these things like I'm I'm going to I'm gonna be angry about it I'm gonna have some emotions but I'm going to like say I'm gonna bend over backwards to accommodate this and it's because we have to be together yes we have to stay together yeah yeah that that's definitely his uh his take on it and um you could just, I think you could safely describe the characters in this, especially them, but I'd say almost everyone in the world in this movie, except maybe the kid, as uh, hysterical. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, if, if hysterics is a real thing, they all suffer from it. Totally. That's why being hysterical is definitely gender neutral. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Get yeah. You no, a they... man, get you a man who's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she's... Yeah, so we you know, initially think, oh, well, she's been with this Heinrich dude, who is... Fucking Heinrich, man. <laughs> Heinrich rules. He makes no sense. As a, like, he's not a human being. Neither the character nor the actor is actually a human being. He is 100% he is, like... He's a being. He is an alien disguised as a human who signed up for, like, an improv class <laughs> and is doing, like, a movement scene. That's that's how he plays on this fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, he's he's amazing, and he's yeah. he's like a little bit homoerotic. Oh, and I love like, that. He's very European. He is. He's very European. Yes. Yeah. So okay, they've they've been boinking or whatever. But <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a verb I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but but oh well, Hannah's not with me. So no. where is she? Where has she gone? And she's incoherent. And she's yeah, she has yeah. very like hysterical moments of like just doing weird shit. Like I'm gonna pull the food out of the cupboards and scream and cry. <laughs> it's almost like a, a very melodramatic version of like someone a, a depiction of someone going through like dementia or something with how she's yeah. so out of it at times, then so in it at times. Yeah, and then like, lucid again. You never know where she is mentally mm-hmm. and it's it's weird because it's so broad and overacted that i think in like another film you'd be like this is the worst fucking thing i've uh-huh. ever seen whereas in this everyone does this it's to such a high degree zany. that it's like it kind of works yeah it's, it's like a collective neurosis I like don't know. Uh, early on when sam neil's rocking in the chair and the camera's following him <laughs> and he's just like he's like going fucking from like 
180 degrees, yeah. like a speedometer smashing the other side as he's rocking back it's, and forth. It is a discombobulating movie to watch. Yeah, and then Heinrich, when he's like talking to Sam Neill, he he does it in like this weird feet free form poetry while just like gesticulating and rolling around the walls, <laughs> and he's just like doing this weird interpretive dance thing while yeah, talking. Yeah, like to it's him. it's an, it's a it's a great movie. These people, yeah. I'm so invested in them. And then when Sam Neill like tries to fight uh, Heinrich because he's like he's like how dare you and goes to punch him, Heinrich just busts out some karate. Yeah. He's just like, ah, yes, I am a trained assassin. Of course. And then is very gently like, okay, I will lift you up now from your pool of blood and deposit you outside my door. Yeah. And Heinrich lives with his mom who is just like, I'll make you guys dinner after you're done fucked. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, it's it's just, it's, it's a world of characters. We're just, we're not even living in it. We're observing it. Yeah. It takes a while to kind of get to the reveal of where Anna is going and what she's Yeah, because the private eye follows her and finds, like, okay, she's at a... World's worst private eye. <laughs> I mean, I guess he finds her, yeah. but he also follows three feet behind her on yeah, an empty she platform. she doesn't notice. <laughs> yeah. But she's, she's uh, holed up in Kreuzberg. Uh, yeah, right, right by, uh, sort of on the boy- border, it looks like. Uh, I, I know Kreuzberg was definitely East Berlin. Okay, yeah. East Berlin is Beast Berlin. <laughs> East Berlin. East Berlin. Former East Berlin rules. is like the coolest fucking yeah, like part of Berlin. My favorite neighborhoods when whenever I was the, the two times I was there yeah. were really East a Kreisberg and Friedrichshain. Yeah, maybe that's very hipster of me, but Absolutely. Anyway, she's in East Berlin. She's in this mysterious pretty apartment. And uh there there's a monster in there. Yeah, there's a She's cooking and cleaning for a monster. I love how out of the blue. Yeah. This happens too. Like it's, I think, if you know anything about possession going into it, this is probably what you are aware of. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, so maybe it's not quite as surprising now, but in the context of the movie, it's just like a total what the fuck. Yeah, you're just moment. like, wait, what? If, yeah. if if you're not expecting it, yeah, you're like, okay, so this is like a messy divorce yeah, kind of situation. Yeah, the movie doesn't hint or reveal that it's literally an inhuman creature yeah. that she's fucking. Yeah, until you see it and you're like, what the fuck? In the, what in the Silent Hill is like... Oh, this is... I would not be surprised <laughs> if this was like influence on some Silent Hill shit. Probably, like, cause yeah. Because it's like this big meat yeah. root. It looks like the, the like a... One of those like fucked up carrots that grows like six carrots kind totally. of thing, but it's made, but, made but it's a sausage and yeah. it just like flails around. Totally, it made of like meat and tendons and stuff. And it just has like the dreamiest green eyes. I got, mm. I got lost oh, in those yes. eyes. And like very kissable lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, starts eating people. <laughs> Doesn't even eat people. Like they walk in, they're like, what the. Like, she's chopping them up and feeding it to Mr. Mr. Boy. I, I assume she's feeding it to them. I, yeah, well, it's um, so, yeah. But, I mean, like, uh, the people are just, what the fuck, and um, they just she just, like, fucking kills the dude with a broken bottle. Yeah, as they're, like, going insane from witnessing Eldritch Horrors. Yeah, Eldritch Horror, that's another good way to describe it. Because, yeah, the, the private detective comes in. Okay, he is so bad at his job, because, like, he shows up. <laughs> And, like, she sees him on the stairs, and then he pretends like he's jogging up the stairs and out of breath. And then, like, he does the stupid, like, kid thing where you're trying to, like, scare your sibling, where he just goes up half a flight, and then it's just standing at the spot going thump, 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 <laughs> while looking down, like, she thinks I'm running upstairs, even though it's just on the spot, thump, 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 thump. And then uh, he goes down, and, like, she just saw him, and he's just like, hi, I work for the utility company, I gotta come in and look at the place. Yeah, I gotta inspect the window. Yeah, and he's just, like, walking around the place, and he says, oh, I'm so I have to do this yeah, legally. Obligated to. And I mean, I guess it works because she's so out to lunch too. Yeah. That, like. Yeah, she's like, "Ooh, I've got something to hide." Like it's, it's yeah, it's, it's like tense while being ridiculously dramatic too. Yeah. But then uh, he opens the door, and the room is just covered in blood and slime and like. Yeah, it's this like. It's the bowels of hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some Hellraiser event horizon like, ass shit. Oh hey, what up? <laughs> Yeah, and that's the one point where I think the characters that are acting, like, so melodramatic and unhinged throughout the movie, that's, like, the... Whenever they're faced with this, that's the moment where there's any sort of realism, because they're just like, oh, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, <laughs> it's almost like they're in a performance, and then someone improv this giant, like, dick pile on the bed, and, and they're just like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I don't know ooh. how to yes-and this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do with this? Yeah. 
anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's, it's interesting because at this point, Mark, he hasn't gone and seen it himself. He knows the address that, that she's at. Yes. Like, his, the private eye relate it to him. And so he he's aware of it, and he he hasn't actually been to see it in the flesh, but he keeps sending people there. He sends yeah. Heinrich there. He, like... Yeah, because, like, doesn't he, like, call in at one point, try to send the mom there? Oh, well, I, th- I think he, he I think he's talking to the mom. He, she's like, oh, Heinrich's not here. Oh, he's like, oh, well, tell her that Anna's at... Right, whatever. right, that, that's how he sends Yeah, Sebastian Strauza, I think. Yeah. And then he, like, gets fucking shot. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and and so it's it's like he, it's like he keeps sending people there as if like luring them in, but without fully, seemingly knowingly realizing yeah. what he's luring them into. But at the same time, he has this like sinister kind of like sneakiness about it's him. It's like he's like cuck honey potting them. It's yeah, weird. yeah. It's like it's like he's like I, I'm I'm in on it, but like, or at least I'm like faking like I'm in on it. I'm acting like I'm in on it, but I don't actually know what the hell's going on until I don't know what in means. Yeah, yeah. I just know that I'm 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 like hundred percent committed to being a wife guy. He's so committed to being a wife guy, yeah. And their relationship is such a like such a yo yo kind of mm. thing. Like they, they they never have a healthy thing going mm-hmm. at all. At least not uh, that we see. They might have before the movie started. I mean, it, it, yes, in in the the frame of the movie. Yes, there's um, nothing no. healthy. But like. About that. They go hard. They go hard. Like, there's a time where they're arguing, and then she just tries to cut her own head off with a turkey carver. Yeah. Just, like, goes to cut her own throat with a turkey carver, and he gets it away from her, and then just starts slicing up his own arm. After patching up her neck. Yeah, and it's just like, bro. There's a time where, like, she, like, hits him, and then he slaps her, like, 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 it's... They don't quite play it up as this dramatic, but it made me think of, like, bitch slap compilations from, like, soap operas. And it, she just keeps going, like, slaps, slap, like, one cheek, oh my other God. cheek, one cheek, other cheek. I didn't know that was cheek. a thing. Oh, yeah, it's so, like, these dramatic-ass bitch slaps. And usually it's just one slap, but this was, like, again and again and again yeah. and again. And you get this sense that it's, like, oh, he's... Because as, as much as he's, like, no, we have to be committed, you have these moments where, the, yeah, like, the rage comes out or where the, like, he's yeah. unhinged. And then he reverts back to like, but we have to be together because yeah. this is the only reality that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while it slips. Yeah. But he goes to meet Heinrich after Heinrich goes to see the monster, <laughs> doesn't he? And it's almost like they're played like buddy buddy where it's almost just like, oh, I didn't, I, I, I was trying to cuck you, Mark, but then I got cucked by the tentacle boy. <laughs> and now like we're being double cucked. And then he's just like, I'm going to cuck myself and you by drowning you in the toilet kind of thing. <laughs> That part is so fun. <laughs> well, I think because because Heinrich is saying like, well, a- Anna, she's she's killing people. Like we have to report her, and yeah. so you know, being the white knight wife guy yeah. that he is, Mark is like, well, then you have to go. This guy has to go. Like, yeah. he, he, they can't find out Hannah's secret. Just like smashes his head with a toilet tank, sticks his head in the toilet. Into a- into a, a, a toilet that he clogged with a shoe. Yeah, and then like drowns him and pours heroin all over his body. <laughs> it's just like they'll think he OD'd. And it's like you bashed his fucking brain in. Your shoe is in there. <laughs> oh, and, I, like, no, I think I think he found a random shoe. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. there is a shoe in there. You smashed him in the head, and there's just loose heroin. And did he like barf all over it too for yeah. years? Or he's like, oh, I'm so sick because he was tickling his uvula yeah, yeah, with the yeah. feather he found. Yeah, just, just very sanitary things to do. Yeah, and then he flushes the toilet so it overflows and climbs over the <laughs> stall. Just like, bro. Bye. And then goes to clean up his wifey's mess. Oh, and he he goes on a tear at this point, doesn't he? Like, he blows up blows the, the apartment. Because yeah, he goes up first and like sees the, the wife sees his wife fucking Mr. No, I think that's after. I no, think... I, th- I thought he went up and saw it. I thought he went up and he just saw, like, the the ev- like the body and stuff. He okay, like... but, like, he gets the gas going, then yeah. he goes and meets Heinrich, then yes. he goes up and blows it up. Yeah, yeah, so I don't even know if she's there at that point. Yeah, but at one point he does see He does see them fucking, down. yeah. And, uh... She's like, almost, almost, yeah, almost. And that's when he realized that he just likes to watch. No? Mm-hmm. Because he starts going hard for her. Like, the cops are after her. Yeah. And probably my favorite scene in the movie for literally no good reason, where he just gets into the cab, pulls a gun on the guy, and goes, drive into that Yeah, reverse cop. and dr- hit that cop car. He's like, my pleasure, sir. <laughs> and then he goes full tilt at it, and, and Samuel they, just fucking ragdolls out the door. And then the, co- and then the taxi driver, like, jumps out and runs, and it's like, this, yeah. 
I love Berlin. And then he gets in a gunfight with the cops and gets fucking breathless, just like right in the back, shoots a bunch of cops, steals a motorbike, and then crashes it and eats shit some more. <laughs> uh, it's fucking fantastic. It is. Um, I love this movie. And then he goes up the stairs to find his wife. Yeah. And the tentacle dude has finally morphed because I guess the tentacle dude's kind of getting more and more human. Yeah, he's, he's he becoming less meat and more like human. Like he grows the eyes at one point yeah. and the mouth. And at this point, he's pure Sam Neill. Yeah. He's just like a clone of himself. Because when they're fucking, she's almost, almost, and you're like, oh, she's almost going to nut. It's like, oh no, he's almost complete. Yeah. And it's interesting if that plays into the, the notion of like, I'm being replaced. Yeah. Kind of thing because he's literally being replaced by seemingly a better version of himself because as his life is falling apart he sees this idealized version of himself that's been banging his wife yeah and um it goes both ways too because uh like the brood there is a teacher Mm -hmm. that teaches the kid that ends up being the de facto babysitter at times and it's just like um he's drawn to and she's played by Ed Gianni. Yeah, like she's like the same actress, but with, yeah. with green contacts in. So it's almost like they're both looking outside of the marriage for a, a new partner, a better partner, a more compassionate partner. In the case of her, like it's, maybe this is the director telling himself it's like someone who's the ultimate lover and so manly and macho. And for him, it's like someone who's such a motherly, like can care for everything figure. Like it mm-hmm. shows maybe what they think is their it's like their inadequacies like what they're missing as partners is projected on the new version but then yeah the new version also showing that they're just out there looking for they're looking for the same thing what they yeah they're looking Mm -hmm. for each other but in an idealized version that still ends up being them yeah yeah and so there's this like confrontation with the clone thing and he's just like this won't do pulls a gun on it but then he gets fucking ganked by the secret police (laughs) and just blasted Absolutely blasted he and his wife in the stairs. Yep. And uh, the idealized Sam Neill doesn't get hit at all. He just stands there and is like, right, cool. Bye. Yeah, fucks off as um, she grabs the gun in his hand and shoots through him into her to kill her. Her real husband. Yeah, her real husband who's dying on top of her. Yeah. In the very bloody stairwell. Um, Shoots through. And then, like, even though it's like, that would be such a powerful shot to end on, for sure. He just gets up and head dives right over the thing. He's just like, whoa. The new guy does, not the dead Sam Neill, the new Sam Yeah, Neil. yeah, the new Sam Neill just, like, fucks off over the railing and, like, <laughs> eats shit. He's like, I've outgrown both of you. Yeah. But then he goes home, and uh, there's the kid. He no, goes, we, we, he doesn't... Yeah, remember Sam Neill's on the frosted door? That's not his, that's not his home, though. I thought that was the teacher's home. Right, sorry, yeah, he goes for the kid, is yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, the, and so, like, the kid... Bob, the kid, yeah. is like, don't answer the door, don't answer the door. Yeah. And the teacher's like, oh, no, no, it's it's fine. It's like, visitor, it's fine. And don't answer the door, don't answer. Yeah. Like, right, because their home is absolutely fucked. Yes, yeah, the yeah. teacher's home. But Yeah, because the teacher's home is yeah. like so nice. But it's, it's interesting how the main characters both fucking die, unable to reconcile, and then they're their like... Replacements. Their replacements <laughs> form into this idealized, artificial version of what they were. But the kid sees through what it is. Before even seeing what it is. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. And then goes like, like drowns himself in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it's the most interesting tantrum. That ending is the best thing ever because the kid just like runs and then just like face flops into the bathtub and floats. And then it's just, that's it. And then like the bombs start dropping. <laughs> what an insane movie. <laughs> I'm obsessed. The more I talk about it, the more I love this movie. Right? Yeah. No, I, um, I had posted something about it. Yeah. In my uh, like on my, my personal Instagram account story, and I had uh, yeah. someone message be like, "Oh man, what movie is this? And do you recommend it?" And I was yes. just like, "Possession." And yes, yes. <laughs> because I like uh, it had been a few years since I'd seen it, so I, yeah. I remembered some like you know key moments but yeah. i didn't really remember the whole storyline and so i remember i remember saying like oh yeah i would i would recommend this movie but then rewatching it we're both like oh my god this movie's like insane and i completely yeah. forgot and i i recommend it even more now but it's for different funny, reasons because i remembered almost every major beat mm-hmm. and i remembered lots of the stuff that happened in the middle but it was just like this jumbled mess of what the fuck in my head like it didn't i remembered remotely. like a lot of like some you know big visual like set pieces and stuff but i yeah. didn't necessarily remember the like 
significance yeah, of them. Yeah, like, I remember the fights they would constantly have in the apartment, including the turkey carver. Yeah, I, I, didn't I, know I, that. I remembered, like, a lot of that stuff, yet I completely forgot Heinrich was a thing. Mm. I completely forgot they had a fucking kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so. Yeah, because like, we were going into uh, this one being like, oh, should we have, like, a divorced dad kind of pun or something? You're like, I can't remember if he's a dad or not. It's like, oh, no, yeah, he's definitely a dad. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I goofed slightly. I mentioned that if there's anything you know about this movie, it's probably the weird tentacle squid man on the bed. But it's like, no, if there's anything you know about this movie, it's, it's the infamous the scene. exorcism scene, or plays like an exorcism possession scene. Yeah, the, the scene that's in the, the subway. Um, yeah, you want to... Oh, yeah, where... So this this uh, station still exists in Berlin. You can go there. We went there. We went there. Yeah, we went you there. can go there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's like, Anna is, like carrying groceries and walking through this tunnel and has like this episode yeah of where like she appears to be in pain and she's flailing around it's it's yeah it's yeah. as if she's like possessed and, like, spiritually yeah or like something. the episode just even starts when she's like walking like what she gets off the train yeah at first and she's just like, <laughs> and, like, like i think she's on the train with the groceries and like she's so out of it that like some random guy reaches into a bag pulls a banana off of the, the like yeah yeah takes a banana and eats it and she's yeah. just like fucking zone yeah like she's she's yeah she's gone yeah and, and yeah that whole thing happens and uh fluids start coming out and yeah it's very very yeah it's uh very quite the performance she's, it is it's it's yeah it's it, seriously it's like a better possession scene than so many of these like, like knockoff exorcism, exorcism movies. movies we see these days and i guess like she won like best performance at at cons for, for her role in that like she deserves it she goes hard yeah it's like a serious method you know, even if you don't think you've seen this movie, you've probably seen this clip. Yeah. If you're, like, into horror Or at the very least, like, screenshots of it. You could get a t-shirt for a long time. I'm so sad I didn't snap one up oh. of her when she's, like, kneeling there and all the, like, shit's pouring out of her face. And it's like, that's such a good shirt. Might still be available. Yeah. That's great. But it's interesting that it's called Possession. It's like, because that scene very much plays like a possession. And she seems possessed throughout. But what do you think the title's alluding to? Like... They also seem very possessive. I was of gonna each other, say maybe, you know? maybe it's a like yeah, you seeing the spouse as a possession or the yeah. I don't know. And it's interesting how this because uh, we were talking about the brood earlier, the ways that this doesn't quite fit with the brood. Uh, like I mean, not that they're trying to be one off the other, but the, you know they're striking similarities. But then mm-hmm. there's also some striking differences. Yeah, like Samantha Eggers in the brood is just like so. Like, I have to have my child. She belongs with me. And it's, like, so... that That's a big part of the horror. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of the early domestic horror in this is Anna is so absent. Yeah, she's that, so like, aloof. the kid... Like, at one point, um, Mark comes home, and the kid's been alone for days. Yeah. And there's just the place is trash. It's just, like, eating jam out of the jar. And it's like, yeah. oh, I've been alone forever. Yeah, she said she'd be back soon. Yeah. And I, I just love the well, way it's played up where Mark is just like, oh, how could she do this? It's like, well, where the fuck were you, bro? You were yeah. just, like, in a motel crying. Yeah, having, like, a bender or something. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, when they're first discussing the terms of them splitting up, he's like, well, I'm not even going to be in Bob's life because, you know, I fucked him up enough already. You know, yeah. Having me there absentee and, like, the inconsistency, that's not going to help any. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it seems like there are moments of tenderness and stuff where you can tell they love him, but then there's yeah. also moments of, like, this, like, well, I don't want him. Yeah. I don't you take he, him. Other than that scene, like, at that part where he's like, I'm not going to be in his life, but then when he, shortly after, he's just only in his yeah, life. Yeah, he's like, well, I, um, I'm all he has now. Yeah, like, as unhinged as he acts and stuff like that, he's very doting yes. on the kid. Absolutely. Um, like, it's almost like he sees uh, how Anna has deserted him and he's stepped up to the plate. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I have to fill the yeah, credit Yeah, credit is due. Um, I think that's kind of the thing. He, he really, he's bought into the uh, domestic bliss yeah, yeah, happy and family. And he's just, like, trying to make it. He's trying to make it happen. Just piece it together as much as possible. Yeah. Like, you know, the signs are there that he should just stay the fuck away from Anna. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, let, let, her, let her fuck squid man. You, you, uh, yeah, she's just, she, she's a fucking squid man for free calamari, I guess, you know. And uh, he should just, like, stay away if, if he knows what's remotely good for him. And it's like, no, I have to have this. Have I, I, have I have built this. this up in my head, and if I don't yeah. have it, I have failed as a man. Yeah, and that's another thing that I think different from The Brood is that, yeah, like you said, like, everyone's kind of hysterical, whereas in The yeah. Brood, Frank is, like... He's very, he's, like, rational. Yeah, he, he yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's rational. He's, yeah. he's the normal one that we, yeah. you know, watch 
and we identify with as the protagonist of yeah. like as the events are unfolding and he's learning and we're learning and yeah it, there's definitely unequal yeah Maybe. distribution of of insanity in that movie yeah and uh, the brood the the force is to try and like we can't be together anymore and it's the mm-hmm. wife is the one trying to like you know, like, she's the one that jealously lashes out yeah. at the teacher. It's like, how dare you? You're breaking apart my family. Yes. Whereas um, Frank's motive is to keep them apart. It's like, this has to end. We can't be together. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Mark in Possession is doing the opposite. It's like, and, we have to at any cost. Maybe that's a comment where it's like, you know, when things are too broken, you just need to walk away. Yeah. Because, you know, like, cost. Frank survives yeah. in the brood. Right. Mark doesn't survive in Possession. Yeah. So, you know. Maybe, like, the trauma of not being able to get over it is sort of part of their downfalls. Like, it's like, if you can't move on, you're fucked. You're just stuck in it, yeah. Yeah. And you're gonna keep doing the same thing over and over and over until it destroys you. Yeah. And, you know, like, movies about relationships breaking down. I I really like that they did this sort of, like, weird body horror, Mm -hmm. like, existential dread kind of movies. And I like that it shows that it's not... You know, the, the Hollywood narrative would be, like, people on the skids unite over this tragic thing happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's the opposite here. The movies aren't even driving towards that. They're showing how it's, like, if we don't separate and then we don't reconcile the fact that we're separate, that'll be our downfall. Where, mm-hmm. like, you know, the narrative is just, like, yeah, we're happily back together again. Or I guess in Possession, it shows that how artificial that is mm-hmm. because you know they try to get together like the actual um anna and mark and they fucking die yeah whereas we then have these idealized versions of themselves <laughs> get together and the kid fucking drowns themselves <laughs> and they get bombed i keep laughing at that but it's so funny how it plays is it because you're just like what is going it's so on funny. <laughs> he's a, i he's really like Heinrich possession moment. and the more i'm talking about it the more i i'm, I'm liking it mm-hmm me too. Really would have liked to see it at the theater. It didn't work out. Yeah. Um, for various reasons. But, you know, it happens. We're fortunate enough to have a copy and be able to watch it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, shout out to our buddy Nicole. She was uh, showing this at the Metro with her film series. And I think she mentioned it this one. I was like, oh, I'm so excited to be able to show this fucking movie. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Oh, man, we should have her on the show again. Absolutely. You know, if, she, if we didn't, like scare her away yeah <laughs> um what a good movie yeah what good movies yeah it was a good week good week i heart- heartily recommend both flights this week absolutely it'd be fucked up if it's been we, a good month for if that. we uh picked a week where it's like we've seen every movie don't fucking watch them like that's not our podcast uh but it could kudo- be. kudos to the people that do that and it's just like <laughs> oh you know you're in for a bad time yet you are doing the lord's work we do uh, respect you greatly so with all that said, how about some recommendations? This was a tough one to, to think <laughs> of because, honestly, I think we kind of picked the two best movies for this topic yeah. kind of thing where it's just that like, we know of. if you're covering The Brood, my recommendation would be Possession. If right. you're covering Possession, my recommendation would be The Brood. Uh, so I'm doing something that's kind of doing a different tact where it's a, I'm, I'm going to recommend Takeshi Miike's Visitor Q from 2001, if you could somehow still find a copy of this fucking movie. It is the most debased movie ever. Like, everyone talks about Ichi the Killer being his hardest movie. It's like, no, you haven't watched Visitor Q. Mm. Like, you've seen Audition, right? Yeah. Ichi the Killer goes harder than Audition. Like, I would say Audition's harder because it's serious. Ichi the Killer is like a jet black comedy. Oh, okay. But, like, visually it's nasty. Visitor Q is, like way beyond the pale on that but it's this family that is super dysfunctional and their life is like collapsing and it's not till this strange stranger just shows up and is just like hey i'm gonna come into your lives and act fucked up and fuck things up and you're all gonna come together in your debauchery and that Mm. is how your family is gonna reunite so it's kind of doing a reverse thing but like the kind of debauchery is stuff like yeah, let's open with the dad hiring his daughter as an escort and having graphic sex for, like, the first ten minutes of the movie. Or, like, oh, man, I'm committing necrophilia on this random person, and rigor mortis means I'm stuck, so let's shoot her up with heroin. Family, bring the heroin needles and stuff like that. Dear Lord. And they, like, unite together on, like, killing school bullies together and stuff. It's insane. This movie's absolutely insane. And I saw it when I was not ready for this kind of... I was Uh. not... 
hard into extreme cinema. Yeah, would you be ready? Because I'd seen Audition and Ichi the Killer. Right. And then my very next Mika movie was Visitor Q. <laughs> so that kind of tells you where I was at. High school. Ooh. Well, so yeah, Visitor Q. Yeah. I don't have a copy, so unfortunately mm. I can't regale you with it. How'd you see it? High school buddy had it. Go figure. Yeah. I wish I had a copy. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Maybe it'll get uh, repressed by one of these dope companies. That is always a distinct possibility. Cool, yeah. But that that's my recommendation. Yeah, that that is that is a recommendation. Um, I am going to. I, I feel. I feel hesitant to recommend this for a number of reasons, um, but it also feels thematically appropriate. But, okay. And I haven't seen it in like a decade. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Antichrist from 2009. Yeah, I I would say that's appropriate. Yeah, um. yeah, because I'm like it's the, again thematically, totally. Totally up there. Yeah. Would I recommend it in good faith? I I would have to sit with that a bit <laughs> before I could give you an answer. This is like the possession for edgelords. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And for directors with uh, sketchy accusations against them. Yeah. Woo. Oh, yeah. In numerous areas. So. Yes. So, yeah. Um, thematic representation recommendation i almost called it representation yeah it's almost like a recommendation in the very clinical like the study of film as yes. opposed to the just like i enjoy everything yeah no this is more like related titles yeah. without really endorsing it or not cool <laughs> just saying hey consider this consider this well, I think that should do it for us this week. I think um, so. A very bad discussion of the brood, followed by a very good discussion of possession. <laughs> I think that's about. I don't right. think it was bad. It was just kind of disjointed. But yeah, yeah. Such is life when you're talking about Cronenberg. Yeah, and uh, I'm worried if this is going to be a downward trend for the next few months, as the days are getting shorter, mm. it's getting colder, it's been cloudy. So maybe the lack of sun- we're going to have to dig out like the happy light or whatever, <laughs> the sad lamp, stick it on the table, and blast our eyes while we record these. I'm down. I That's what I do when I'm doing work at my desk, honestly. Oh, well, there you go. It's right over there. We can hook it up next time. Perfect. Cool. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, take it easy and keep it sleazy.